It's the RU Review, episode number six, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener. I have longtime New Jersey sportscaster Matt Lachlan on the line, along with John McLeavy, Travis Miller from Hammer and Rails, which is a Purdue sports site, will join us later in the show. Rutgers goes to Lafayette for the first time, by the way, for a 4 p.m. kickoff this Saturday against Purdue. But first, oh my goodness, boys, uh, there is there's too much to pick apart in this game to go on forever. So I'm just going to talk broadly about this. And, and really, there's no question Rutgers is in the right direction. There's no question they're a better team. And there's no question the coach right now, the right guy is at the helm with Greg Schiano. And the future is really bright But guys, I have waves of silver linings coming at me. I have waves of moral victories coming at me as a as a Rutgers fan. I can't do it anymore. This is a team that could be three and two. That is one and four. And that stings, man. They are on the right track. Even on a down year with Rutgers on the up a bit, they still can't beat this team. Man, it's a tough spot to be in. I'm not going to kill a kid for missing a kick. Again, the, the Michigan kid missed three of them. Okay, so and he got he got taken off the hook for sure. But, man, it was just hard to see that kick go wide left because I just wanted that win so bad. I want to see Rutgers beat Michigan. You know, you talked about it last week about my brother going there and I'm having family there. And oh, by the way, even the fact that Michigan was struggling against Rutgers is a huge problem in Ann Arbor, even though they, you know, was a nice win by them. Rutgers was playing hard. Look, Michigan came in. They were down 17, nothing. Cade McNamara came in and did not make a mistake. That's a good quarterback right there. You know, so I I don't know. You know, obviously, he's got to be the quarterback moving ahead. You got to move away from Milton because he came in and he did not make a mistake. Maybe maybe later in the game. He was good. Rutgers defense. Rutgers secondary is terrible, though. Yeah, they they struggle. They can't cover me. Yeah, they struggled, and there's a lot of bad passing. They struggled all year long. You know, penalties are killing them. Um, Which is surprising because I thought the discipline would be better under Shiana, but we addressed that early on when we said, boy, they had a bunch of penalties against Michigan State, and then they followed that up with another bad performance with penalties. So that that's a bit of a vexing problem. Uh, and I thought that his his coaching, his demands would take care of some of that, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah they not- were bad. They were bad. But they can't cover anybody. Their secondary stinks. You're talking about the kicking and – um, first of all, we, we recorded something earlier about college basketball, and we said how great it is to say Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. How great is it to say Valentino Ambrosio? I couldn't believe it. That kid walked out on the field there. I didn't know if he was going to faint or be able to get the ball to the uprights from kid from Cranford, but does Alexi Lawless have any eligibility left? Maybe that would have been the better soccer player. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, look, he, he hit, now listen, he had two field goals, okay, but he's never been he in did. that spot, and that was a huge spot right there. He's never been in that spot. I would argue that Davidovitz has been to a certain extent because there's game experience there. Is that, I guess that got thrown out by Shiano. I know we're not at the practices, and maybe this kid's booming kicks, but it was just, I just wonder why Davidovitz, you're going to wonder about it. I know it's, I know it's, it's being nitpicky. And it, if Ambrosio hits that freaking, then there's, there's no question about what they're doing with the kicking. It's one kick. It was 45 yeah. yards, but man, 
I hear you. I hear you. You're sick of being the little brother to your to your brother <laughs> and your friend from Michigan who have been sticking it in your ear for all these years, and you finally had them. You had them. You you were going to get the win. Yes. You were going to be able to hold that up against them, and it was there so many times. Listen, I've been down on the Noah Vedrock, and let's face it, he's not going to be playing on Sundays. But boy, that kid's got the guts of the Yeah, burglar. listen. That last drive there, that last series were fourth and Yes. Steps it, pocket, throws a touchdown pass, and then runs it in for the two-point conversion. That was Cinderella, man. That was awesome. And you just thought that it was going to happen. This was going to be the year. And, yeah. and I felt for you, Steve. I, I knew that that, that that was just a killer when they couldn't finish it through. But how about Harbaugh? Here's a guy whose team is really slip-sliding away. The, the, the bloom is off of his rose. And he's running around on an empty stadium field at Rutgers like he just beat uh, Dabo Sweeney in the uh, in the Orange Bowl. Did you see him? He looked like he had never won a game before in his life. I'm trying to tell him he just beat Rutgers. Come on. Well, listen, he had to, he can't lose that game, and and you know he beat they they did go after him in Ann Arbor, but they're still going after him because it was close. That's how much how little respect Rutgers gets uh, from Michigan. And uh, they don't even they don't even they don't even have a conversation about it. They just it's it's like it was just an outrage that it was even close, and and yeah. that's the whole thing. So in that case, man, you you gotta finish in that spot. They didn't. Um, it's just a reality. I, I'm you know it, it it's just for me. I'm, I'm kind of all out of you know, moral victories and silver lining stories and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to come down to got to start thinking like winners and it comes down to wins and losses. Well, they are thinking like winners. Yeah. Look, it's a different team in yeah. terms of attitude and their tenacity. Yeah. Listen. The talent, you know, Bobby Valentine told me after 2000, the, the, on the last day of the 2001 season, this is nine 11 had occurred. The Mets had gone to the world series the year before they made a late run to try to get into the postseason in 2011. You know, they were part of the center, the return of sports in America, blah, blah, blah. And they, but they fall just short. And I said to Bobby Valentine, everyone leaves the office. I'm just shooting the breeze with them. I said, you know, Bobby, I said, didn't end the way you wanted, but that was a hell of a clubhouse you had here. Pros, great guys, you know, didn't have to, you know, worry about them. They, they, they came prepared every game. And I'll never forget, he was on an exercise bike, huffing and puffing a little bit. He goes, yeah, this should really be good. What did he say? Re- really good bunch of guys, really good. Uh, I wish I had a few, and he used the word a-hole, but I won't. <laughs> he used the full word. He goes, wish I had a few more a-holes who could play better. <laughs> Meaning he would have taken worse guys with better talent. Right. Better talent gets there. Rutgers will be fine. Yeah. Right now, Rutgers doesn't have the talent, but they're fighting. They're yeah. competitive. It's a much, the hope is, is off the charts compared to last year and the year before. So yeah, I, I do understand the frustration. You saw it in Shiano's voice. You saw it with the players. Oh, they no question, man. I know they're, they're, I know they're hurting. They their heart out and they play to win every week. I they know. prepare it every week and they had a chance. Yeah. They're just not good enough. Now the key to me is going to be how they finish the season. Yeah. And yes, it would be nice if they could beat Maryland. That's if Maryland ever plays another game with COVID running rampant through that program. Oh, if they boy. can win this week against Purdue, if they can beat a Penn State team, that boy, are there problems there? I don't know what the story is. Yes. You know, it's going on there. there's 
I don't know if it's a lack of talent, and I don't know if it's a lack of coaching. There's some internal strife there that He's is just. Go. There's still players there. You got to be kidding me. That's just, just something's been, wrong somewhere. I think I you got to throw. I I made this point earlier in the season one. This show, you got to throw this season out. That's another thing about this. You got to. I mean, look, uh, it, it's it's just You're not, not willing to throw it out. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, throw it out is in you can't. You Harbaugh Harbaugh can't lose his job over this season, man. They can't have their. They don't. Oh, have we're the not right. talking about Harbaugh. We're talking about Franklin. Well, Frank, no, no, Franklin, but Harbaugh's on the hot seat too. Franklin's on the yeah, hot seat. I, I, These guys can't be on the hot seat over a situation on, uh, uh, where a virus has taken over the country and you can't properly prepare your team. Who knows what these oh. guys are going through? It's just, you can't do it. I, I will I will agree with you to an extent, but it hasn't affected Northwestern. It hasn't affected Indiana. It hasn't affected Ohio State. You know, so, Iowa's won three in a row. So I don't know that that's an ex, a, a, a real excuse. It is a different year, that's for sure. But given where Penn State was at this time last year and yeah. what they've been under Franklin, for them to be 0-5 is it's, incredible. Uh, it, it, is, it is a huge story. And who, who knows but that doesn't mean Rutgers there. is going to beat them. But I think the, yeah. the, the, as the schedule comes to a close, it would be great to pick up a W. There's no question about it. It would prove that – that Rutgers is back because you can talk as, as we said about moral victories, all you want, you need well, to show some tangible, you need the W they got the one, they ended that long losing streak in the big 10, get another one. And it's a fart. Look, we talked about it with Steve Peichel, like some of the things he was able to finally do. And it took a while, but he would nip in and get a win here, a win on the road there. And suddenly now you see where Rutgers is this year. So the hope is there. And go into this week thinking, come on, this is a game we can we can win. I mean, Purdue is just you know two and two; they've lost their last two. Mm-hmm. Say we can get Maryland, but yeah. if it doesn't happen, you have to. You know, he's dealing with one hand behind his back. Just ask Bobby Valentine. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, use a few more. You know what? Exactly, butthole surfers. <laughs> <laughs> well, li- listen. I mean, I- I'm just inclined to look at the last game see an opportunity for win and just dissect that. That's what, uh, that's what I do. I can't sit here and just go, Oh, well, they played hard. It just doesn't, you know, it's the old college try. I just can't go there with it. I got to go with it. Wins and losses and getting it done. And there was an opportunity the last two weeks to get it done and it didn't happen. And it hurts, man. It's just, uh, you know, if, when, when you're, when you're, is as much of a fan as I am a season ticket holder an alumni man. And you're, you're just emotionally, you know, into it, man. It's just, it, it's just a killer. It's just a killer to, to, um, uh, to get, uh, to, to come up short in, Johnny, in, what's in the both definition of those of games. Insanity? Yes. It's doing the same thing and, and expecting a different result. Is that what it is? Exactly. Banging your head against the wall and yeah. you know, expecting a different result. Yeah. Um, look, there will be a better result. You'll stop mm-hmm. banging your head against the wall, but the season's already a success, Steve. You got a Big Ten win. Yeah, there was a win, and, 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 hey, hey, and what did I say? Laughing stock of college football. Hold, they're not wait. losing games fifty to seven. Hold to me Buffalo to at hold, home. Hold me to yeah. what I said. Hold me to what I said after that. Uh, after that first win, I said, "Listen, I don't care if they lose the rest of their games. We had a great afternoon, and we'll take it." You know, they got off the snide with the freaking long losing streak in the Big Ten. Um, it was a great opening win, but just think about it since then, guys, man, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of heartache, a lot of effort, yeah. a lot of a good play, you know, you know, listen, these guys are playing hard and they're, uh, and, uh, and they're playing, I don't you hate the word scrappy. 
Scrappy is what you give teams that really don't have much a chance, but they're playing their hearts out, and that's kind of what you're getting. And you know what? That's the reality of it. All right. Uh, exactly. And, that's and, my point. That right. is the reality. But uh, a three and two could have been, it, it was real. It was real. Three and two is real. One and four is the reality. Three and two w- was right there. Chiano said, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with him slightly on this, on, in his press conference, he said, we're not quite there, guys. We're, we're getting there, but we're not quite there. Well, but, but coach, coach, you were there. You were there Saturday night. You were yeah. absolutely there. Uh, yeah, you well, know? The thing is, you know, your brother and your friends that like to stick your nose in it, they might still think that, you know, this is the Chris Ash, Rutgers, Scarlet Knights. But rest assured, the coaches around the Big Ten and, and around college football and the, the scribes, the guys that we have on, the writers and people that pay attention to college football, they know that there's a new sheriff in town. And um, and yeah. I go back to the, mm-hmm. to the old Who song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It's a completely different product you're getting on the field. Last year with Chris Ash, it would have been, the opening kickoff, you're all revved up. You take the opening kickoff because in the end zone, you get it at the 25-yard line. And before there's one second off the clock, they get a false start penalty. Yeah. You know, you don't see stupid things like that. Yeah. Like um, our friend Eric LeGrand told us, you're not going to see stupid penalties. It's just going to be there's accountability. It's a completely different thing. Does it stink that you lost those games? Yeah. yeah. And I'd be saying the same thing if it was my club. But there's a bright, shiny object yeah. at the end of that tunnel, Steve. But and they, they, first of all, that Chris Ash is gone. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rearview mirror. Yeah. He's gone. He did nothing here. Yeah. And, and you got a guy now who is pointing you in the right direction. And the biggest wins this year, again, will come in living rooms and kitchens all around uh, young men's uh, homes with, with letters of intent. That's where, where you build for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but, you know, I'll make the argument that they actually they're committing a lot of penalties. And I think that's just because Shiano's uh, instilling a, an aggressive style and uh, that aggressive style is coming in the, in the form of, of penalties. I think that will be eventually cleaned up. I, I Guys, I said it. We're, we're, we're on the Rutgers is in the right direction. They got the right coach. Um, they're unquestionably better than last year. It's just these losses, these last couple of losses. Uh, have been very, very hard. They really have, and because uh, it, w- it was right there for them in both cases, and a couple mistakes late uh, caused, uh, you know, you know, caused the loss, uh, you know. But uh, listen, um, moving forward, which would you rather to lose fifty-two nothing or lose in triple overtime? No, and I'll take the competitive game. I'll take the competitive game. Oh but as I God. said, as I said from the beginning, though, then we're going back to the whole the moral victories and silver linings and the good story and the loss and all that stuff. And we, we you know, guys, listen, we've been down that road uh, quite a bit. And, um, you know, and I know it's, it's Shiano's first year. Maybe, Hey, listen, I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, when you're down on the ground for a long time, you want to get up fast. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself and I've made yeah. this point in basketball too. Um, but, uh, and that's a wonderful story right now with basketball. And I think there's going to be a wonderful story in football, you know, at least they can get into the, well, wonderful maybe is a little too much, but at least they can get into the middle of the pack in the big 10. They're clearly not there. As Shiano said, they're clearly not there. I get it. It's just the last couple of weeks have been some pretty rough losses, man. And I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not inclined to go into that silver lining and, and moral victory bit anymore. I'm kind of just tired of that. Just want to see a W and it, it just didn't happen. So they're one and four. That's the reality. They got Purdue coming up. First time they're going to, to Lafayette uh, to play Purdue. 
Uh, let's take a break. Let's hear from our sponsor and let's, we'll come back. We'll talk to uh, Travis Miller, who's uh, the uh, runs hammer and rails, which is the, uh, uh, the Purdue sports community. That's the site with SB nation. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to Travis uh, after this. At LG Insurance Agency, our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home, car, and business insurance. LG Insurance Agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs. LGinsuranceagency.com or search LG Insurance Agency. And we're back on the RU Review. And joining us from Lafayette, Indiana, the manager for Purdue sports site Hammer and Rails, Travis Miller. And Travis, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Good to be here in uh, rainy uh, Indiana right now I was from gonna, my car. I was going to ask you how the weather is out there. Uh, so listen, we'll get to Saturday's game for sure. A lot going on there. But first, and I know you guys want to put this in your rearview mirror, well, we watched the offensive pass interference call at least a half a dozen times. And, and I, I'll tell you this. Listen, bad calls happen in games, and we know this. But a phantom call at the end of the game that costs you the game just can't happen. Did you get any explanation at all of what this ref saw or what he thought happened on that play? The closest thing that I can see, um, there is one angle from the sideline that has – Durham is kind of separating himself on the route at about the, you know, six, seven, eight yard line. He's got his right arm back, but it also looks like the defender is engaged with him like you see dozens of times a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't really use it to gain an advantage or separation. By the time he catches the ball, the defender is still all over him, and it's a tough catch over the shoulder and everything. But that, to me, that's the closest thing you can see in – the flag is already in the air by the time he crosses the goal line before before he even catches the ball. So yeah. that official had made up his damn mind that he was calling that regardless. Uh, so my guess is, you know, he saw the arm, but when you when you see the other end zone shot from behind behind the play in the other end zone, you, you can't even see that. It doesn't even look like you're touching him. So it was a ridiculous call, and my judgment on how ridiculous of a call it is is. My dad, who is also an alum, who's not as into football as I am, saw the play and thought it was a ridiculous call. (laughs) He never says anything about, like, officiating or anything like that. And uh, you can also go on our site. We do a weekly column on Sunday called In Tweets where we talk about the previous day's game and really it's just grabbing tweets what our fans are saying throughout the game. I just made it this week entirely about that play. And it's amazing to see how many neutral college observers out there are like, okay, that's a terrible, terrible call. Yeah. And I know Spencer Hall, formerly of SB Nation and uh, Every Nation CC Saturday, he was especially enthused about it. And he's not a Purdue fan, and he went shape for four. And he's like, that was horrific. That was awful. Yeah. That, Travis, that was terrible. I mean, you, you could be a homer. You could be someone who – who is still at the school and, and, and rail against that. Or you could be somebody, like you said, people who have no vested interest in Purdue football that watches a football play and sees absolutely nothing there. And yet that official is, I mean, he is right on the play. Unless there was a push off, like from the line of scrimmage. I mean, I've only seen highlights of the play and, and I don't, they don't really show you a long 
standing view where you can see the entire play. Um, I mean, that was just an absolute joke. I mean, I can't imagine that they made that call. And you could probably spend, uh, we could probably spend 25 minutes on this podcast just on that one play alone. But uh, I guess some breaking news uh, coming out of Purdue is that your uh, your star defensive tackle, George Karlapis, has tested positive for COVID-19. What will that do to your defensive line rotation this weekend against Rutgers? Uh, I think I think it's kind of crippling because he he is the only one that has provided pretty much any pass rush all season. However, he's been kind of limited because he left the Illinois game a few weeks ago, which was the second game of the season. He left it with an ankle injury, didn't return. He missed the Northwestern game, and then he was kind of ineffective, really, against Minnesota. You could tell he was limited in what he could do. But when he's healthy, he he was a freshman All-American last year. And one of the reasons that we lost to Northwestern, is, and, and I think to Minnesota, you know, besides that call, is their offensive line were just a wall in pass protection. We, we were getting balled all night long in pass protection, and it wasn't even like holding or anything. I mean, they were just easily blocking our guys, and Peyton Ramsey had all night to throw. And you kind of saw that against Minnesota, where they would run, they would run, and if they needed to throw, Tanner Morgan had all night to throw, and he was just throwing up 50-50 balls along the sideline, and his guys were getting him. So we've got to be able to generate some sort of a pass rush without him, because otherwise, it, it, I mean, it's just your quarterback, uh, Noah Vidal, he's going to have all night to throw. And we have Bob Diaco, who I don't believe thinks blitzing is allowed in football. <laughs> oh boy well listen you're uh you're you have to have some concern with the defense with the loss now of a star defensive lineman who yeah may have been slowed up but uh also you know you gave up you know some 400 yards and a difficult loss to, to many so uh, i'd imagine you got a little bit of a concern um with the defense uh going into saturday uh is that the case travis uh, absolutely, because, I mean, we had some good spurts. You know, when healthy, this is a huge difference maker. Um, we did have some good moments defensively in the last two games. Lorenzo Neal, his dad is the longtime fullback uh, for several teams in the NFL, and he has been great about just plugging holes in the middle. He's made some very, very key stops to get his football back when we've been trailing in fourth quarter in each of the last two games. So he's been great about giving us at least a chance late in game. But the secondary has not been great on passes in the air, and they've left some guys open. And, it, again, there's no pass rush, none. So I think we did really, really well against Northwestern on the ground, and Minnesota did better, but Minnesota, they are a ground-heavy team with Ibrahim. He's fantastic. So there's, there's definitely some positives, but there's a lot of negatives and a lot of questions so far. And, well, the defense has also been there for a couple of key plays. They were the ones that forced the big turnover against Iowa that let us go down and win the game. They got the defensive stop after we had the go-ahead touchdown, and they got a big defensive stop at Illinois when that game was starting mm-hmm. to fight sideways late. They had a first down, down seven, inside the red zone, and we were able to get a stop and save that game from after we were up 21 in the fourth quarter. 
Well, it'll be an interesting matchup this Saturday. I mean, Rutgers offense obviously is is much improved, but how couldn't it not be? I mean, they were they were terrible last year. Uh, but Federal's like kind of been, um, you know, it's been uh, hot and cold with Federal. He's uh, actually played really well Saturday night, but he had struggled at points as w- too. I mean, they, ha- they have a few, uh, they have a few guys that can um, separate uh, and get and get open this this year, which they just didn't have in the past with what Bo Melton and uh, the Wisconsin transfer Aaron Crookshank and Isaiah Pacheco can can run a little bit. If he gets the seams, how is uh, how has Purdue's run defense been so far, Travis? And is, is it is can do you think Rutgers is going to be able to move the ball basically on on the ground and in the air? It, it's been up and down, really. They did a really really good job against Northwestern, and Northwestern's just the type of team this year. They're having one of those years where they're fine with their defense. Their, their defense's goal is like, we're going to hold teams to 20, and the offense is fine with, okay, well, then we'll go get 21. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we really kind of struggled against Illinois and their backup quarterback who, you know, he was mobile, and so mobile quarterbacks still kind of give me pause because they can find those gaps and those separations and everything. And then uh, Mohamed Ibrahim, man, he was, he was really good. What? And he had three touchdowns. I think he was close to 100 yards, and that was what. But it was still one of the best uh, defensive efforts anybody's had against him this year. So uh, that says a lot to his talent. When we held him to like 130 and three scores, and it's like, okay, that was what his worst game of the year. So mm-hmm. um, it, it'll be interesting. And one of the things that kind of stood out for Rutgers to me is you guys play your asses off, man. I mean, you're going to make us earn anything we get. And I, I said earlier this week in one of the things that I wrote that with Ohio State, yeah, they won the game by a lot, but you kind of, they kind of got the sense that Ohio State was like, good God, are you guys not going away yet in, in the fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah. And you're putting a couple of touchdowns up, you're running trick plays and everything, and it's just even behind, you're going to be annoying and just keep pushing and keep pushing and whatnot. So that gives me concern because when you've got that level of effort, it can go in your favor in a hurry, especially if a few things start going wrong in our our way. And we no saw doubt. that we saw that with uh, Saturday night with Chiano. He's without a doubt has these guys playing hard. Just a, you know, a player or two short, just not quite there, as he said it. Um, again, very possibly you can make the argument that could be Rutgers can be three and two right now. They're they're one and four. Um, t- t- two tough losses in a week uh, g- games they had in their grasp. Uh, which is tough. And now, you know, they're going to Lafayette for the first time, uh, 13-point um, underdog. I was a little surprised at that, Travis. I thought that you, uh, it would be a little less. So uh, I, I guess there's something with uh, having to travel out to Indiana. Um, I, you know, I, they obviously Purdue absolutely, absolutely should be a favorite, but uh, I thought I was surprised that it was a little high. Were you surprised at that? I was very surprised by that, just because we play all four games have been seven points or less. Uh, so it, it's not like we're putting teams away. We we had Illinois. I would say Illinois is probably the closest team to you guys and everything. And we had them down even while being sloppy, and we still gave up. We almost blew an entire 21-point lead in the fourth quarter. So, it's I again, our defense is up and down. And offensively, we've, you know, we've had a pretty deep, we actually have a better run game than we did last year where we had almost none at all. 
but the passing offense has been incredible so far. I was really, really pleased with Jack Plummer on Saturday night, his first game of the year. He came in because Aiden O'Connell was uh, had a foot injury and didn't play. And Plummer really gave us another element because he actually can scramble a little bit. He can find some spots, get a few yards on the ground, whereas O'Connell, O'Connell's a statue. Um, he, he makes Peyton Manning in Denver look like uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he's a great passer. He's very accurate, but he, he cannot scramble. And one of the key plays of the Northwestern game was one where – he obviously could have and probably should have scrambled. He gets two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and it's like his entire body just freaked out with the, oh, God, I'm running. Now what do I do? And he tries to pump fake, and he ends up getting hit, fumbled, and uh, Northwestern got a good return, and that set up a big touchdown for them. So having Plummer out there being able to, you know, he knows when to run, knows when to slide and everything, I think that's going to help us out a little bit better in the offense because he's already been named the starter for this week. Okay, so we know who the starter's going to be. Uh, Travis yep. Miller from HammerAndNails.com is helping us preview the Rutgers-Purdue game this Saturday. Travis, question I have for you is, Jeff Brom had a really successful three-year run at Western Kentucky, went 30-10. and 10. He is the same head coach at Purdue in 2017, and since then he's now 19-23. and 23. Is sort of the bloom coming off the rose? What is the uh, word on the street? in West Lafayette with uh, with Jeff Brom and his tenure as the head man with the Boilermakers. I actually wrote about this week. I did a 2,000-word a column where I kind of did a deep dive on that because at 19-23, he has the exact same record that Danny Hope had through, uh, let's see, what is it, 42 games? He has the exact same record that Hope had, and Hope would let go that season because he ended up having a five-game losing streak. We barely got through to a bowl, and it was clear the program was kind of stagnant. And it led to Daryl Hazel, who was just an absolute abomination of a coach. <laughs> so uh, with, with Drum, it's very, very interesting. Last year was kind of a throwaway year because we had a ton of injuries. By the end of the season, we were down to our third-string quarterback. We had our starting quarterback, Elijah Tindalar, throw for 900 yards in the first two games. And he, gets, he breaks his collarbone in the same play that we lose Rondale Moore for the season. So yeah. we, lost our, our, we lost our two best offensive players on the same play, and we had lost our top linebacker. We had lost a couple of other key guys, and we played a ton of freshmen last year. So even then, we had two games that were decided on the final snap of the game with Nevada and Indiana. So... It's, it's, it's really interesting to see because he's had a lot of close games. He's 8-14 in games that were one-possession games. He's had five games where he lost on the literal last play of the game, be it a walk-off field goal, a late touchdown in overtime or whatever. And it just seems like he's really, really close. And fans are like, okay, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money. You've got to find a way to do this. But at the same time, the two his two best recruiting classes are just freshmen and sophomores now, and they're the best recruiting classes we've had in 15 years. So they're still young guys. They're still developing and everything. And it, it, there's a lot of you know other mitigating circumstances. You have an injury filled year and then a pandemic year. So <laughs> I mean, how how do you show growth in there? And I long thought that 
because of the youth that this team still had, next year was going to be the really big year where he broke out. And if you kind of, you know, if, if you give credit for what should have been a touchdown, we're still 3-1 and one right now with a loss to a really good Northwestern team. And I think a lot of fans would take that. And, you know, no offense to you guys or anything, we now have two games at home where we're going to be favored against Rutgers and Nebraska. And I honestly think that they are critical, critical games for the Brom tenure. He's got to get both. I think he's got to get both before going to Indiana. And because if you lose both of them or you even lose one of them, suddenly you're going to have those question marks still sticking around. And it's like, okay, where are we going this? What are we doing? And you're probably not going to have a Rondale Moore next season because he's going to go off to the NFL, rightfully so. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of talent in that receiver room. There's still, you know, there's still a lot to build around. But some of the questions like offensive line, defensive line that have been questioned since he got there, continue to be questions and you're like, oh, okay, we, we've got to figure out a way to get over this. Yeah. And he has had one, what I call one WTF loss every season, just one loss where you're like, okay, how the hell did that happen? Uh, <laughs> 2017, 2017, it was Rutgers. We broke math and losing that game. Uh, you know, Travis, I was going to, br- I was going to bring up that game and, you know, I was there and, you, your receivers had butterfingers that afternoon. No one could catch a ball. There's so many drop passes. And then you had Gus Edwards, who, by the way, is a nice pro right now, who broke that run yeah. early, broke that run early, and pulled out a 14-12 win. That, that season was an aberration. Chris Ash actually had four wins that season. A lot of that had to do with Gus Edwards. He was, he was a Big Ten back. And he uh, he just plowed through. He every time he hit the line, he was five six yards, just falling forward. And now he's a nice pro for the Ravens, by the way. I, I was at that game too. I drove out for it, and it was it was just so frustrating as a uh-huh. Purdue fan because the entire the entire game it was Purdue would gain fifty to sixty yards, find some way to not score, be it turnover on downs, fumble, whatever, could get a three and out. Your punter would bomb a fifty five yard punt, and we'd repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an it was an ugly game, but you know, Rutgers, you know, especially back in 2017, any win, take any win, as ugly as it is, and if they they pull out a 14-12 win, that's one I'm sure you guys obviously want to forget. But listen, here's the thing: let's go on the offensive end. You got you got some skill players, Travis. I mean, Jack Plummer's a, a nice quarterback. He had three TDs Saturday. Again, a disappointing loss, but. Uh, you know, 367 yards. I mean, Rondell Moore is a pro. He's one of the, when, when healthy, one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, Davis Bell's a nice receiver. He had two touchdowns Saturday. So you got some players. Uh, tell us about Alex Horvath. Uh, you know, what, how's his season going? And, and can he be a difference maker running the ball? Uh, I really like Horvath. Uh, he's a former walk-on. He's earned his scholarship now. And he was fantastic in the first two games, especially the Iowa game. We essentially had no running game last year. But until the Indiana game, we broke out for, I think, and then to start the season, he was, he was the difference maker in that Iowa game because he had several fourth-quarter runs where he was just a punishing, punishing back. He was getting tough yards. He was getting six, seven yards of carry. I mean, we haven't had that in a very long time. And that also tension that we had because against Minnesota, Friday night, six minutes left, we're down three, 
We have a first down on the Minnesota 21, and Horvath is getting six, seven yards of carry. He does not get a single carry. And that leads to the missed field goal before the touchdown. So it's like he kind of needed the ball more, and we had no running game against Northwestern. They shut it down completely. But he's, I mean, he's been fantastic for a walk-on, done everything you can ask. And, of course, he's wearing 40, so everybody's like, it's my golf stop. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm old enough to remember Mike Allstott, and there are some similarities there. Yeah, Mike Allstott looked around for people to just to bump into on his way to the end zone, right? Oh, God, he was he was fun to watch, especially since that era of Purdue football. That was all we had. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that guy was um, he was a battering ram. I mean, he he you just put him. Kids, if you don't know who he is, put him in the Google machine and watch him just bounce off the people. He was like the human bumper car. He would take hits and then just get propelled in another direction and then get walloped and then run people over. He was a lot of fun because he could run over you or he could run by you. He had some surprisingly quick feet, so he was a fun guy to watch. Well, on Saturday, he is one of only he's one of only two players to score a touchdown in a Super Bowl from uh-huh. Purdue. Okay. Oh wow. That's great. Well, now, is that, is that, that Uh No, because it's score a touchdown as in, you know, actually cross the goal line. So, like, Breeze and Greasy and Lynn Dawson, they've thrown touchdowns, but they never scored one. The only other one is Raheem Mostert in this past year's Super Bowl. Oh, wow. There's quite a trivia question. Wow. Yes. Steve, you knew that, right? No, of course. Of course I did. You know, but, uh, uh, a Horvath will be important Saturday, Travis, because, you know, if he can get it going and then they get to, you know, and they got to stack the box and then Plummer will have his way. I mean, Rutgers has been struggling on the secondary defensive backs, but had a rough night Saturday night. I mean, Cade McNamara came in and didn't make a mistake. So, you know, Jack Plummer, you know, he looks like a pretty has a nice arm. He's accurate. And you're saying he can run a bit, too. Is he kind of like Noah Vedral where he's not a burner, but he, he's elusive and can get some yards? Yeah, I, w- I would say that he's he's really good about knowing when to duck and run, and that actually was kind of to his detriment because that's when he got hurt last year against Nebraska. Is he took off on one play and kind of took a bad fall and uh, ended up breaking his ankle. So yeah, uh, uh, but he's he's been able to get a. I mean, he's been able to do really really well, and I'm kind of I'm very pleased with that. So because yeah, he'll have time well, to great. throw. Because he, you know, I mean, Rutgers really doesn't hasn't had much of a pass rush, but they've been doing some different things this year. They've been doing some different schemes and such. So they have gotten to the quarterback a little bit. So we'll have to see. It could, you know, if Purdue can possibly get it going. They could, they can certainly score some points. That's a concern on Rutgers' end. Um, but uh, you, you know, it's uh, I think this has the possibility with you struggling on defense. Believe it or not, to be a high scoring game. Oh, I I agree uh, because we. We haven't given up a ton of like big plays, but we have a nasty tendency to give up third and long, and mm-hmm. but that's been an issue for us for many, many years. So, uh, but it's just frustrating. Like I feel better defending a third and two than I do defending a third and fifteen, because you know third and two. Okay, they might run up the middle and O'Neill will blow up the line, and that's exactly what happened against Northwestern and Minnesota in the fourth quarter. But third and 15, it's like, okay, what tight end is going to be wandering wide open over the middle as we have no pass rush? Yeah. Travis, last one for me, and I don't know how plugged in you are with uh, Purdue basketball, but college hoops 
in some form or fashion is tipping off this afternoon in, in a bunch of locations. And, um, you know, there's games that are getting canceled left and right because of positive tests. And uh, we're really not sure what a college basketball season is going to look like. But if you are plugged in a little bit, what can uh, Rutgers fans and Big Ten fans expect from Matt Painter and his Boilermakers this year? We are going to be a young team. Uh, we, we start off this afternoon against Liberty down in uh, something called the Space Coast Challenge, which was originally the Cancun Challenge that got moved out of Mexico. And we, uh, we're going to be very young. We have five freshmen that are going to be playing, and we have no seniors on the roster whatsoever. We had Nojel Eastern and Matt Harms both transferred out. They were supposed to be our two seniors this coming season. Harms was a grad transfer to BYU. Nogel transferred to Howard. So it's in the hands of a really young group. And one of our most experienced players and our leading scorer from last season, Eric Hunter Jr., uh, had a broken leg in practice. And he's out for about another four or five weeks because he, he kind of chipped his tibia. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see how, young, how our young guys get along. We're very excited about Jaden Ivey, whose mother won a national championship with Notre Dame back in 2001. Oh. And, yeah, and she was a longtime assistant coach for Muffet McGraw. And I think she, she's, she's not a head coach now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was kind of a coup to get him when she was so close to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And he, we're really looking forward to see how he's going to do as a scorer. We got a guy coming off a of red shirt by Brandon Newman, who was a phenomenal scorer here in Indiana averaging like 26, 27 points a game his senior year. Uh, so it, it's going to be extremely interesting. We only have 11 scholarship guys. We have a guy that had mono, uh, another freshman that had mono, so his conditioning is kind of off right now. We have another one that they've just said is breathing issues and his conditioning is not up. So we're going into tonight's game with maybe eight scholarship guys because uh-huh. of that thing. So um, our freshmen are going to have to grow up in a hurry, but there's talent there. And I'm really excited to see how they do because it's the kind of year that if they, you know, go 17 and nine or something and make the tournament, then that sets us up for what should be a phenomenal 2021-22 season where we get two top 40 recruits. We get the two best players from the state of Indiana coming in. They're both rated in the top 40 nationally. They're two of Painter's best recruits that he's ever gotten. And to be able to plug them in with a team that will – gain a ton of experience and be all everyone will come back from this season. I'm, I'm kind of looking for, more forward to next year than this year, but I don't want to push off this year because it's like, all right, good year this year means great year next year. Yeah. And you know, is one it? thing is that Painter's a terrific XNL guy. I love to watch. Uh, I love to watch his team play. I'll, I'll tell you, I actually coach uh, youth basketball here in New Jersey and I love to uh, watch games, and if I see something that I like, I tape it, and my kids run it, and I have a couple of Purdue plays that we run because he runs such great half-court offense um, that uh, that we run some of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing him play this year. See, that's the last one for me. Travis, um, you know, Purdue's an original you know, Big Ten member. Um, what is the perception of the community there, the sports community there on Rutgers joining the big 10 and, and what is your thought on Rutgers overall? It's, it's quite dismissive from the big guys from Ohio state and Michigan who are kind of like, it's a non-entity and they don't really even, um, 
they, they don't really engage, it seems. You know, as a matter of fact, I mean, the big thing in Ann Arbor was that, the, you know, they, they actually, Rutgers was in the game. Forget about it, that Michigan came back against a very, you know, hard-fought win against Rutgers, who was game. You know, for for them, it was more, uh, oh, my God, this how how could we possibly be in, you know, the same league as Rutgers? What, what, what is Purdue's perception of, uh, of Rutgers joining the Big Ten and then and then uh, uh, the sports teams in general? It's real interesting because Rutgers is now the only school in the conference with fewer national champ NCAA championships than Purdue. Mm-hmm. We only have three total uh-huh. as a school. <laughs> right. We won a golf one back in the sixties. We won the women's basketball oh. one in ninety nine, and we went, and I think maybe you guys were in the final four that year. I can't. I can't remember. Wow. Welcome, um, welcome, Scarlet Knights. Here we go. Now we're not. We're we're not uh, the the bottom now, right? Is it was that kind of the mindset there? Yeah, and uh, and we also won the women's golf title in two thousand ten. So we've been an OG member for many many years, but. For the longest time, aside from men's basketball, we just were not that competitive, at least in the Big Ten, in terms of winning Big Ten championships. Um, I'd have to check the totals right now, but as recently as four years ago, we had fewer Big Ten championships across all sports than the University of Chicago, who had not played it in the Big Ten in 70 years. So, right. <laughs> so you know, we don't have a ton of room to talk, and in something like football, we've only played once since you guys have joined the conference and we almost lost the second game this year because of COVID. So, um, I know I was really impressed with the turnaround of your basketball program last year, getting a sweep over us and especially winning a Mackey arena is, I mean, testament to you guys winning Mackey. Um, it was, we lost five games at home last year and we had lost four total in the previous four seasons combined. So, Coming into Mackey, getting a senior day win, I mean, yeah, we missed a free throw that would have won the game mm-hmm. at the end of regulation, but you guys took care of business. Yeah. And, you know, never discount coming to Mackey and winning because it is insanely difficult for opposing teams to come in there. I mean, look what happened to Michigan State and Virginia last year. Right. Two of our best games of the season, we blow out the defending national champions and the Big Ten champ that had a legitimate shot of going to the Final Four. So, you know... Credit to you guys for coming in and getting that win. I mean, that that really is one that clinched a tournament bid for you. Had there been a tournament, I think. Well, we're you know we're excited right now. I mean, the the game uh, this Saturday will be exciting. I mean, Rutgers. I mean, it's been disappointing in terms of the win loss column, but they are playing very well, especially on the offensive end. So I think it will be an interesting game. I have to believe that you know Purdue, you guys at home, uh, smarting over two straight losses. You got the edge here, um, but uh, I think it's going to be a close game and maybe a high-scoring game, uh, as I said, but it'll certainly be exciting. And, and yeah, we are excited about the basketball team. I'm ranked 24th in preseason polls, which we have never, you know, Rutgers has never <laughs> touched that in years. Uh, but, of course, you know, now they're not uh, no, they're not going to surprise anybody anymore. So that, that's the reality there. But uh, it, it, things, it seems certainly things are on the up and up on the banks. But uh, looking forward uh, to this uh, this game this Saturday, Travis. Thanks so much uh, for coming on. We'd love to have you on again, perhaps uh, uh, perhaps during the season. Uh, talk a little hoops. Uh, uh, Rutgers, Absolutely. yeah, Rutgers uh, does play Purdue. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I don't have the date, but we'd love to have you back to to chat up some hoops uh, for sure. And uh, no cer- doubt. 
and certainly talk, uh, 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 you know, Purdue uh, sports. So it's uh, been a pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, it's an uh, exciting game this uh, Saturday, uh, 4 o'clock, uh, in, uh, 4 o'clock kickoff, right, in, in Lafayette. What's the name of the stadium again, Travis? Uh, Rossane Stadium. And uh, th- if I recall, this is your final uh, first, if you will, of visiting a big Ken venue, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the first time uh, that they're going to, uh, uh, the football team is going there. So uh, so that that's a first, which is really cool. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was an ugly game last time in 2017. So, And I would take an ugly game again. I would, but uh, w- we'll see. It's first time going to Lafayette. So uh, Rutgers has their hands full, no doubt. Uh, you know, Purdue is, is still... a you know, a very good team you have there. So uh, they, they'll have their hands full. So again, uh, thank you for uh, for joining us. Travis this is Travis uh, Miller from uh, Hammer and Rails, a really nice site. You do a great job with it. And uh, and I, I check it out all the time. So uh, nice job there, Travis. And uh, we'll catch you uh, certainly at, at a future show. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to talk basketball. I grew up in Indiana, so basketball is in my blood. And uh, today's like Christmas. Today is like Christmas for me with the return of basketball season. Oh, absolutely. Terrific. Yeah, that's great. All right, take care, Travis. Thank you, Travis. No problem. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's give a big shout-out to our sponsor of the RU Review, LG Insurance. And everybody have a great Thanksgiving. All right, and that's Travis Miller from Hammer and Rails. Thanks to him. Boy, he knows his stuff, huh, John? Absolutely. He is plugged in, as he said, Born and raised an Indiana boy, so he knows not only football, but we can't wait to to tap into him again when the Big Ten season is rolling around basketball wise. All right, now quick announcement: we got the uh, pint glasses coming out. The the uh, Eric Legrand pint glasses that we have. It's sponsored by our sponsor here, LG Insurance and Beach House Brewery, and also us here at More Sports Now. And one hundred percent of the proceeds of these glasses go to uh, Eric Legrand's uh, charity, uh, which is the Reeve Foundation. So 100%, they're going to be $9 for the glasses. And it's a really nice uh, pint glass for your favorite craft beer. So we're excited about that. They're going to be coming out. Actually, I'm picking them up today and I'll get the information on how they can be ordered. It's likely going to be on our site, beachhousebrewery.com. We don't have it set up yet, but you'll be able to uh, order them online or come into Beach House Brewery and pick one up for the holidays I'm dropping a couple off to Eric tonight. He's excited about it. So we'll start pushing that uh, certainly um, for Black Friday and beyond for the holiday season. That'll be a nice, uh, nice something to put under the tree uh, for the holidays. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one as well. Oh, absolutely. And that'll do it for the RU review for this week. Uh, Purdue, 4 o'clock this Saturday in Indiana. Go RU. Uh, Check out our site, uh, moresportsnow.com. We have our... uh, Jersey Hardwood podcast as well. We started that because uh, RU Hoops is back. Very excited about that. Uh, also, if you want to hear the show, uh, just go to SoundCloud, go to Spotify, go to iHeartRadio, anywhere where you uh, find your podcasts will be there uh, under moresportsnow.com and our and our group of, of podcasts, of course. So uh, check out this show. Listen to us. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And we'll catch you all next week. Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.